I guess my my big question is: Are how, are you nervous right now? What do you? What, no. You just over there, just living the dream, huh? Yeah, uh, it takes a lot to get me nervous. <laughs> takes a lot um, to get me. That's a, that's the mindset we want everybody to have. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not nervous. CavsCorner.com podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the rest end. Wow, rest end. Woo, man, it's going to be a long night. West end of Richmond, uh, where it is Tuesday, June the 27th. Um, you're listening to this on a Thursday. Uh, we recorded this on a Tuesday because we can do things like that with the magic of technology. Um, of course, anytime we, we do this like out of time sort of episode, I always want to preface that if craziness happened on Wednesday... Uh, and we didn't talk about it, and you're wondering why. Well, that's why, because we didn't know about it yet. Um, both of my uh, usual co-hosts, uh, Justin Ferber and David Spencer, are on uh, assignment. Um, Ferber is at an undisclosed location, not in the continental United States. Dave is not is in a uh, is on assignment. Um, let's say not at home. I don't, I don't know. I just, I think he actually talked about where he was going to be anyway. So I decided to do something a little bit different. Um, in the past, we, we, we at times would skip, um, episodes, uh, of the show. I've kind of gotten to the place where I don't really like to do that. Uh, I, I kind of want to give the people what they want and you know what the people want? They want Kyle Matus. Now you guys might not know who Kyle Matus is. I am excited to have Kyle Matus on the, the program. Kyle has become, uh, not just a really good friend uh, over these last however many months, but Kyle is legitimately like the most UVA person I know. So first, Kyle, welcome to the podcast, my friend. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for having me, Brad. I uh, appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you carving out part of your week. Uh, I think when I tossed this out in our, our group thread with with Ferber and Dave, I don't know if you thought I was serious when I said we should have you on uh, while they were out of town and such, uh, but I was dead serious at the time. Um, folks, listen. Okay, first, Kyle, tell the people what your Twitter is first. Uh, that's a good question. I don't tweet all that often. I think it's at Kyle Matus. I was going to say, I think uh, it's just your name, man. You can, this is yeah, a, this is a softball. Name. You you can knock this one out. You're good. Uh, for the record, <laughs> yeah, Cavs, Kyle Matus. All right. Cavs Corner, Arsenal Twitter, Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and Woody Mansion. If I don't say that, my brain would explode. Um, just if you, dear, dear listener, just go peruse Kyle's Twitter. He is literally the most UVA person I've ever seen. Okay. I... If, if I was to, to describe Kyle to other people, I would say, imagine what you think of when you think of a UVA dude. Whatever that definition is in your head, it's probably Kyle. Um, I don't think I've ever seen you when you didn't look like the most UVA person in the room. Um, I, I, and I'm sure that there are, you know, I, I'll put it to you like this. Among the people I know in life, I don't know anybody. Uh, well, I know very few people who care as 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 much and who like live it as as well as Kyle does. How many baseball games did you go to this season, Kyle? Ballpark. I missed don't five. Know yeah, I missed five home games. Uh, three we were at my in laws in Alabama, and two I was busy with my two year old. So I want to say what is that? Thirty seven. I think we played forty two home games this year. Thirty seven games, guys. That's that's a lot of games. Um, I I just I I, I preface all of the conversation to 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 come with like you're you're hearing from somebody who is legitimately i think at times more knowledgeable about uva sports than uh than i am and <laughs> i'm really excited to have somebody on the podcast who knows what he's talking about um but no i mean like i, I think kyle is a um it, it, you know he for a lot of folks who run websites like mine kyle is exactly the kind of person like you're talking to right somebody who is like all about it but also who sort of knows their stuff like kind of does their homework um and i i I guess Kyle, the way I want, where I wanted to start with this whole thing is we're in an off season of, of interesting times for UVA sports, right? 
you've got football coming off of what was obviously an incredibly tragic end of the season last year. Before that, the football had not necessarily gone all that well. Um, I think it's safe to say that uh, there are a lot of folks who are very curious to see what's going to happen with Tony Elliott and the boys this season. On the basketball side, you've almost got Tony Bennett in a weird way sort of reinventing the roster, but at the same time doubling down on everything that he does, including bringing Ron Sanchez back to Charlottesville as an associate head coach. Um, And I'm just curious as we get into those couple things, and like I said, it's an interesting time to me for both of the programs. Now, obviously, you know, Kyle is one of those people who, who breeds the entire athletic department. So he knows a lot more about all of the other sort of sports that we don't necessarily talk about as much. Uh, case in point, he went to 37 baseball games this year. Um, and I believe that if, you know, Virginia had gone deeper in Omaha, he probably would have been there. Um, in, in your opinion, which of those two of the revenue sports, which one right now, which one are the, which one is keeping you more, uh, is keeping your attention more? Are you more, Thinking about the football season, maybe because it's closer, maybe because it's right around the corner. You're thinking more about basketball because, you know, there's offers, there's kids playing travel ball this summer. Um, we're, we're on those on that that sort of dichotomy. Where, where are you falling most of the time right now? I, I think my head's more in football. And I must say it, where it really is is whether or not Emily Sonnet, UVA alumni, is going to start to get to Vietnam for the U.S. Women's National Team in the World Cup. <laughs> um, I suppose that counts as football. It doesn't. Um, not on this podcast. But I'll, I, but I'll allow it just for you, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's got to be football, right? Um, what are we, 70 days away? A lot of question marks. A, a lot of people have left. A lot of new faces. A lot of rumbling. Um, some of it informed some of it uninformed about our quarterback look room. You, look at you taking shots. We're five minutes into this joint. And you're Look at you. I, I, well done, sir. Well done. Look, football is what drives the athletic department, um, whether we like it or not. And in the last few years, it hasn't driven us in the right direction. Um, you know, I, I moved to Charlottesville about a year ago. And since then, you can see uh, the growth of the new football ops center and what that might mean. Uh, but you also know some of the shortcomings of we didn't quite probably raise the money we we had hoped on that, and yet beams are up. And what does that mean for recruiting? It, it it's it's almost visceral uh, the impact that football has in the university and on the athletic department. And it's the thing that look, I love all of the sports. Uh, if you would have asked me a week ago what my favorite UVA sport was, I would have told you baseball. Had you asked me on Memorial Day weekend, I would have told you lacrosse. Um, had you asked me when I was in uh, Orlando. Um, I would have said basketball, but football, it, it will always be uh, the rising tide that lifts the rest of the boat. So your head has to be there this time of year. I don't think that it's a it's a coincidence that you would say football, considering you are a native Texan. Um, you know, you I, football is just a whole different thing down there. I don't necessarily disagree, though. I will say that the. The idea of Virginia basketball sort of reinventing its roster, not necessarily like on an annual basis, but especially considering like the last you know couple of cycles, so to speak, is fascinating to me. In part because, like on the football side of things, it feels like to me that the the arms race that was facilities is now turned to nil, right? And I forget I, I read a story not long ago. Basically, essentially, the kids. Some I think he was anonymous. Actually, some player or somebody saying essentially, kids don't care, you know, about the building as long as you know they can have the money in their pocket. Um, and I think that that's a very real reality for a lot of programs, um, especially of those like UVA's, where you know, real talk. Like even if there's a collective and there's lots of momentum being made in that direction, and you know, there's there's progress. It's not going to be for at least a you know considerable amount of time, right? No matter how sort of um, you know how um, successful, let's say that alumni are from uh, from the school, no matter what the endowment looks like, whatever that might be. Like, I just don't think we're in a place where you're going to see UVA football have a NIL operation that is going to um, compete with some of these sec teams that, you know, like Texas the other day is, you know, what they're, they're like linking it to the essentially that like you're giving to NIL will get you essentially points in their system for seats. Um, and so like they're giving, you know, real incentives for fans to essentially drive their dollars into a very specific location. So I think that, that, that shift in the arms race, you know, which was always, I think, you know, UVA has been 
chasing this replacement for McHugh, you know, um, since Ken Griffey was a puppy. Right. Um, <laughs> and what I find sort of fascinating about all this is, is that at, right. Just as you mentioned, right. The, the thing is, is happening, right. They're finally going to have the thing that says to a recruit, to a recruit's family, um, Hey, we're serious about football. We, we want to not only bring you in and, 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 and give you a great education. We want to develop you, you know, on the field. We want to develop you in your career. We want you to take that next step. Um, and I just think that that's really interesting, especially, you know, juxtaposed with sort of where things are on the Tony Elliott front. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not surprised that you said football. I, I'm, but at the same time, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure, honestly, where I fall on that question because I, the the idea of Bennett sort of reinventing the roster while also sort of, like I said before, doubling down on who he is on what his program is about, um, especially in the transfer portal NIL era. Um, you know, getting Beekman back and what is that, you know, like these, these new pieces and like, could UV actually be more athletic, uh, and longer? Well, I think they probably will be right. Like, I don't think that there's actually any sort of argument that you could make. And it's also like, dude, we haven't seen a Kihei Clarkless team in a long time. Right. So there's a lot going on on both of those, um, you know, both of those sides of the coin. Do you find yourself, um, like the lows for each program, Do, would would you say that they're similar in the way they hit you? Is one harder than the other? Um, maybe because basketball has had, you know, has been to the absolute mountaintop versus football, which is, you know, sort of at at its best since the early Welsh days. Um, you know, when I say early Welsh days, I mean like since they, you know, were number one and all. I mean, it feels like UVA football has at times flirted with maybe possibly being consistently okay but they haven't been able to really cross over and stay there. The lows when they hit, which, which of them hit, hit you harder, the football ones or the basketball ones? Basketball. Um, I happened to be sitting next to Malachi Richardson's mother in Chicago um, when he put up, what, 19 in the second half. Uh, when Syracuse came storming back to us. That one hurt more than any football loss has begun to hurt. Um, and even more, yes, than, than UMBC. Um, basketball hurts more, but I don't think my heart flutters quite like it does when we're in a competitive game uh, of football against Virginia Tech. Um, the other games, like the, the Miami this year, the 14 to 12 or whatever that final was, um, I just walked out of that. And, and the Virginia Tech, the throwback, uh, Broncos last game, I walked out of Scott Stadium in both those instances just more – I hate to say the word embarrassed, but I don't know what else to, to say. Embarrassed yeah. as a UVA fan for the product that we put on the field uh, and the decisions that were made, and not necessarily by the young men, um, but by by the coaching staffs. And that's two different coaching staffs in, in those two examples. So I, I wasn't embarrassed, as odd as it sounds, after UMBC, when I left uh, that arena in Charlotte. I was stunned. I was shocked. I was It, it hurt. But I wasn't embarrassed in the way that um, that that football's done to me a couple of times. Now there's some highs that come with football too. Right. Beating Virginia Tech, storming the field um, with my mom and my wife uh, and all my close friends, and just running around Scott Stadium, running into friends, thinking of how long it had been since we beat Tech, is an incredible high. Now it obviously doesn't beat um, beating Purdue or Auburn <laughs> uh, or win the national championship. Um, but it's two different emotions, and, and, and right. it's similar to your first question. I think my mind is on football because my mind doesn't have to be on basketball. Coach Tony Bennett, NIL changes, roster changes, uh, transfer changes. I trust the guy. I know that when I sit down in my seats um, in November, December, January, in John Paul Jones Arena, you know what? We're probably going to be preseason four or so. Uh, in the ACC, and we'll probably overperform that, and we'll probably end up um, in the NCAA tournament uh, with a pretty good seed. And my expectations going into that, despite the the one and dones recently, is that we'll advance to the second weekend. I think that's going to happen with this roster. I think it would have happened with a different roster. I'm particularly excited about this roster because of the right. athleticism, Brian Dunn, Leon Bond, um, and others. Um, so. I, my mind is at ease when it comes to basketball. Uh, I think about football a little bit more because I'm not at ease with what we saw last year and what we've seen in the previous years. That's fair. I feel like on some level, you know, when we look at, you know, 
consistency can be a gift and a curse, right? And Tony and company have been so consistent and, you know, you sort of get used to, um, you know, you get used to seeing what you see, right? And it, it, it's, it's natural, right? You're, we're humans. The thing we see all the time, we expect to see it. And then when you don't see it, it, it feels especially alarming, right? And I think that there's a, there's an interesting thing that happens for UVA fans in a very different sort of way than it does for other fan bases. I think UVA fans, we're, we are pre-wired or maybe history has taught us or maybe a little bit of column A, a little column B that, yeah, it might be good now, but that other shoe's going to drop, right? And so we're always sort of looking, scanning the horizon, waiting for that other thing that's going to signal that this, this, even this really consistent thing that we've had for so long is no longer going to be consistent, you know? Um, and I, and I wonder sometimes, like I see the fan reaction to, um, you know, certain things that Bennett does, you know, minutes here or there, the, the conversation around, um, sort of the way minutes got doled out, um, it, you know, in, in terms of the, um, the front court this year. Right. And then you contrast that with like, yeah, granted there are lots of UVA fans who um, certainly care deeply about the football program, but I almost wonder because the football program is sort of is where it is. Um, you know, the rebuilds, you know, you can only do so many rebuilds before a part of your brain just says, Hey, can we just wait until it's actually built before I actually sort of like really invest? And it's no doubt that what Tony and company have done across the street you know, there, there's a certain level of expectation for him, for, for Brian O'Connor, right? Um, versus what happens, you know, with the guys over the McHugh, right or wrong, fair or not. That's just the sort of way it is. And I'm curious, as somebody who is, you know, cares passionately about every sport, who lives and dies with, you know, whatever season we're in, where do you come down on the whole thing with fans and 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 the negativity and the and sort of the... Um, the, the way that they let things out, because it feels like to me in the last few years, fans have gotten, um, more vocal, but not necessarily more engaged. How, how would you, how would you sort of frame your point of view on fans and the way they've reacted in recent seasons to sports in general, especially UVA? This is a little bit of a meta a meta analysis, but I'm afraid that's more of a societal shift and more mm. cynicism mm-hmm. as opposed to something specific to the UVA fan base. Look, Fair. I, I, my Twitter lists, right? I have a UVA sports list that's every journalist, just about every fan, unless I've muted you or blocked you. Um, a lot of uh, the athletes on all of our teams. I, I have a UVA sports Twitter list that I spend most of my day on. I don't have a wake forest baylor washington state etc twitter list so i don't really know how other fan bases react right when something unfolds my guess is people are just a little cynical and like to be cynical on their keyboards um i'm also the perpetual optimist i you know people were frustrated with the way that the florida game shook out in omaha and understandably so but golly, we had a great season. We made it back to Omaha. We're probably, we could be, not probably, we could be better next year with the better pitching staff. And what a great accomplishment to make it to Omaha, to, to win every home game the entire season. Um, it's hard for me to get really, it's hard for me to, to draw a narrative on UVA baseball based upon a handful of at-bats in a fairly distinct, if not unique, facility in Nebraska. Hmm. I really don't like to draw the big sweeping conclusions because of a couple of bizarre happenings against Furman. Yeah. Right. I, I, I just don't see it that way. I, 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 because maybe you and I spend so many of our waking hours thinking about these types of things and you get a better sense of, of randomness and things that just happen because things happen yeah. and it's not necessarily, um, draws huge conclusions about our program and there are a few things other than uh, marrying my wife and the birth of my son uh, that have struck me more personally emotionally in my friendships um, than when you've been with a national championship in basketball but gosh that took a whole bunch of coincidences and random happenings as well right 
Um, and that sort of smooths the edges a little bit for me on, on, on both ends. Yeah. You sort of have to assume that, you know, all teams that win championships make their own luck a little bit. And yeah, they're going to have some things that go the right way. Even the best of the best, right? I, I know my buddy Joe Giglio um, from down on the triangle, you know, he of the who is this number zero, Tony, what are you doing? Uh, fame uh, who I, you know, I, I'll occasionally, you know, I would occasionally send him a, a message here and there whenever Kihei was doing something. Um, but, you know, he had his idea that, you know, there is bracket luck and there is, there's undoubtedly bracket luck, but you have to. And I think something that uh, his counterpart in his podcast now, Joe, I think did a nice job of explaining like, well, no, but you have to do something with it. And that's the thing. Like, I think about that faith poster. Um, I don't know if you have one of those Kyle though, uh, for those times when the odds might be getting you down. Um, and it has the, per, you know, the percentage chances of the Purdue, um, Auburn and Texas tech games. And it sort of, it, it makes a point that like in all three of those games, it was dire. And I know that they really plug into this a lot in the, um, in the documentary, you know, but like you don't like, I think the thing that people should have, or maybe can still carry from that is like, man, it takes a lot of things to go right. And it, and those things that go right are a lot bigger than just player a did this thing. Well, right. Like there's so much more that goes into it. So I like your idea of perpetual optimism. I kind of feel like sometimes we live in like a referendum generation where everything that LeBron James does is a referendum on everything LeBron James has ever done. Right. Well, he missed that layup. He's not the greatest. Oh, nope. He should have blocked that shot. See Jordan. He's there's no chance. He's better than Jordan. Right. You can you, it's like we we're incapable of looking at totality of circumstances anymore. And I think that that extends in a lot of different directions to your point in society. But especially, you know, in fandom, we see it with UVA fans. Right. Tony Bennett can uh, can do no wrong. You should build a statue to him. But then let him not give the right guy minutes in this game. And people are frustrated. And I think your your point about the the, the kind of confidence that that cynicism has behind a keyboard Listen, I've, I've owned a website with a message board for a long time, longer than, longer than I like to admit in public. Um, and the thing that I, the trend that I have seen over the last decade plus has been, and I mean, heck, I was plugged in to message board culture, you know, a good decade plus before that. Like, it's not just that necessarily people have opinions now. It's that people assume that other people need to hear their opinions. And for whatever reason, that is such a, you know, a very fervent ground for cynicism. And it kind of extends to the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is like questioning of coaches. Cause like, I feel like nowadays you're almost wrong. If you say to somebody, well, like, no, it's, you know, that like you can say, Hey, maybe Oak should have gone away from Barry, um, two batters earlier. Right. And, but that doesn't, that doesn't like some kind of referendum on Oak as a coach. Right. Like, He's easily one of the greatest coaches in UVA history of any sport, right? I don't think you can argue that. Look at what he's done for the program. And I think that it's hard for people to like detach themselves from the idea that you can both say, hey, look, maybe this wasn't the right move, while also not like completely um like completely wiping away every um positive thing or every successful thing or whatever that somebody has done you know like I think that you can look back at this basketball season and you can point to specific instances where like maybe Tony should have tweaked things a little differently than he did and I, you know what if you you know and Tony Bennett the way I do I bet you he would agree with you right um that was the thing with Oak and the and the decision you know in that in that late in that game is that like he came out later and said no this is you know, I don't have any regrets about that because I feel like he's the kind of coach who, if he did have regrets, he wouldn't be, he would not have a problem come out and saying that. There are some coaches who just do not do that kind of thing in public, right? Um, they're they're not typically successful for very long. Um, those types of coaches. But I'm just curious to get your point of view on it. Do, do you feel like fans are like almost like unfairly questioning coaches now? Do you feel like the animosity that seems to be behind it? Because it almost feels like to me sometimes that. That the that the average fan understands, like, yeah, we gotta every once in a while, you know, I'm gonna disagree with something coach does, but it's like what they do with it that seems to be the difference. What's your what's your point of view on that? Yeah, there's this concept um, 
the economic political concept called the rationality of irrationality. Okay. Give it to and me. the idea is the idea is people have really, really strong opinions about things that they implicitly know their opinions have no effect whatsoever. And therefore they can have any opinion that they could possibly ever want. Cause it doesn't actually matter. Right. Fair. It's almost, it liberates the fan to come up with the hottest takes possible. Um, and you know what? That's okay. That's part of what makes sports fun. Personally, I, I'll get on the Twitter and see what some folks are saying about Oak's decision um, and, and the conclusions that they can draw from that. Um, and I'll turn it off, and, and that's okay. Uh, it's okay for them to have their hot takes that I tend to disagree with. I think it's okay for me to unplug after losses um, because neither thing impacts what's happening within the program and what's happening on the field. Right. Uh, for me – I thought Nick Parker needed to stay on uh, and pitch one more inning. I totally understood what Oak was doing as he was doing it because he had been making the adjustments, righty-lefty, lefty-righty matchups for as long as you can until you can get to Barry and Wolfuck and you ride the hot hand of the two of them, which was Barry at the time after Wolfuck had been barreled a few times against Duke. So as I was watching it, I'm thinking, oh, I really think Parker's got another inning in him. He's, I want to say, 90-something pitches. That could be wrong. But uh, bottom of the order, hasn't hit him yet. And we can skip over the inning in which we do matchups and we can get right to to, the, uh, to our two closers. And as he didn't do that, I thought, okay, well, this makes sense. This is what he's been doing for the last few weeks. Additionally, um, I am a fan, and certainly a knowledgeable fan, who went to a lot of baseball games and played baseball way back in the day myself. But I'm not spending hundreds of hours with these kids, right. much less I'm not in the dugout as Parker's coming off the mound right. and telling me what he's thinking. I'm not right. seeing how Jay threw flat ground a couple of days ago. I, there's so much out there that I don't know. Right. Um, and I don't know. That dose of, of humility to me is a little liberating of I'm going to sit back and I'm going to enjoy this and I'm, I'm going to think through what I, I would like to do and what what I think the starting five uh, come November for Coach Bennett ought to be. Um, of course I think about these things, um, but it's a little liberating to sort of realize, you know what, what I think about this doesn't matter all that much and that's okay. Yeah. I had a moment. That's not going to generate a whole lot of revenue for your message board though. <laughs> so I got to be careful here. No, no, that, no. Listen, the, the reality is, is that, um, you know, when I've, I've, one of these things about message boards that has always perplexed me. Well, not in a, I get it. Like it makes sense, but I wish it wasn't this way. People are much more likely to talk about the things to talk constantly about the things they disagree with. They don't like than they are to talk about the things they do like. Um, and unfortunately a lot of times traffic and you know, all that fun stuff is driven much more by people who are upset with things and people who are excited about things. Um, I had this moment. I'm trying to feel like, where was I? I think I was, there's a bridge in between where I stayed in Indiana across the river from Louisville. And coincidentally, (laughs) it was a toll bridge, which I did not realize until the great state of Indiana sent me a bill. Um, weeks later and was like, Hey buddy, would you like to pay these? Uh, you know, you, you were here and you crossed the bridge. Oh yeah. I think I, yeah, I would do that. Um, I think I was on, I don't know. I can't remember what direction I was going, but it was after, it was after everything had happened. Um, and you know, I just thought about that, that Kihei play. Cause I mean, at this point I'd seen it even by then. I mean, think about how many times you've seen it now. Um, and it, I look back, I look, I, I remember like looking back and thinking like, of all the plays, like if you had paused it right when he catches the ball, right? And, they, and the documentary does a nice job of this of kind of going to Ty and going to Kyle and whatever. I, I would say that if we're all being honest, like none of us would have advised him in that moment to try to throw the pass that he threw, right? And just because, just because he did it and it was successful doesn't necessarily mean that it was the right call. Right. And I think that's the thing that a lot of sports fans struggle with myself included. I'll put myself in that boat. Right. Is that like sometimes a thing just works. Right. And it wasn't just and like success is not necessarily indicative of it being the right call. Ultimately, like success is the thing you're trying to achieve. 
So that's all that matters. But we can get a lot of us. We get into the weeds about what is, you know, oh, should Vanderplas be playing this many minutes versus Shedrick? But you know, what about the inside triangle? And you know, we get all in the weeds about it. But ultimately, like, well, what did it do for the team? Right. Ultimately, the success is all that should matter. And I think that play is a nice microcosm because what it does is it shines a light on like in that moment, if you asked a player to do a thing a hundred times, how many times do you think he would throw that pass at that trajectory in that location to a place where Mominy could catch it and shoot it over the 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 blonde kid from Purdue whose name escapes me with the hair? Um and and make the sh- like think about that, right? In that moment, it was probably the one of the you know the options that most of us would not have even come up with, right? We would have said either Tyre or Kyle on the sides, right? Um, but in the moment of the game and in the flow of the moment, he makes this play, which I think is such an ex- such a great example of why we love sports, right? Because this thing that seemed ridiculous in the moment, right, was was exactly the play that Virginia needed in that moment. There wasn't, you know, you okay. Sure, you could throw it to the side and one of them could heave it up and it could go in. Great. But, you know, the thing that is so wild about it is like it was perfect. And yet in the moment, it probably wasn't something that if you'd paused it right then, you took a poll of the folks behind keyboards that they would have been furiously typing about the, this was the right answer. Or this was the right answer. And like ultimately he did the thing that only in that moment could have been done. To me, I mean, it's just it's kind of poetic in a way. And I think about like the way we as fans react to these things as if you know, we know I got myself in trouble several weeks back um, because I was, I was talking about, you know, Shedrick's minutes. Right. And I think I said something to the effect of like, well, we all know. And what I meant by that was like, he wasn't playing well, but clearly there's a segment of the fan base that doesn't agree with that. So like me saying it as if it's just, a you know, a fact we've all proffered and moved on about with, right? Um, really kind of, I, I caught some some heat for it. And I and I get it, right? Just because I don't, I mean, I do think that, that it's very clear to me, at least, and I think it should be clear to all of us, that doesn't necessarily mean it actually is, right? And I feel like, you know, there are lots of situations as fans where we see a thing and we think everybody probably should agree with us. And the reality is, is like, that's never been true. And we just have a mechanism now where not only are all of our takes, <laughs> all of our takes instantly shared with all kinds of people, right? But we can see all everybody else's takes. And maybe that's not the best way for this whole thing to go. You know what I mean? I mean, can you imagine um, sitting in a bar in South Boston in October of 1986 uh, when that ground ball goes through Bill Butler's no, legs? I can't. This is an. This oh, yeah. isn't a new phenomenon, right? <laughs> right. Uh, or when when Buffalo's kicker was it Scott Norwood? Yeah, Scott uh, Norwood. This is a field goal, twenty to nineteen. Uh, this isn't a new phenomenon. It's just new that we can see it. Right. Um, you know, to one of your questions uh, in, in there, how many times does Kihei Clark, if we pause it in the moment, uh, complete that pass? Uh, if your buddy Joe from inside the triangle is listening, one hundred and ten. Out of a hundred times, um, and if you think Kihei was a problem, wait till this uh, twenty-five recruit out of uh, Saint Anne's Bellfield here in Charlottesville, Chance Mallory. Mallory, yeah, that's um, right. yeah, yeah. You, hey, inside the triangle, one hundred and twenty out of a hundred times, to be, to be that fair, pass is completed. To be fair, to be fair, I think Chance actually might be five ten. I don't think it in any play, it, you know, in any way, Kihei's actually. And I mean, it was so funny though because like we. You know when the when the rest of the league got like their first glimpse of him, they were like, "What is what is going on here?" And then you'd watch the kid play, and I mean, he's like tough as I mean, even as a as a first year, right? He was so tough. I, I mean, my dude broke his wrist and didn't miss a game. That's absurd. I forgot about that. You know, and like, listen, yeah. the problem with I've always I've said this for a long time. The problem with Kihei, the problem with Kihei was that like he was just here for forever. And think about like, and I've made this analogy before, right? Like really highly rated draft picks who come back for another season, well, then you just pick them apart all year long, right? But you, you you stay out in front of people's eyes too long. They can't help but, like, not only notice every flaw, but then they harp on it, right? They can't help it. It's just human nature, right? And so Kihei's, the issue with Kihei wasn't necessarily any this or that. It was that, like, he was there for so long that everybody saw so many of his games that 
they couldn't help but focus on the the negatives because they you know they that's just the way humanity works and so I feel like there will be a little bit of a recalibration for folks this year because you're going to see a UVA basketball team without Kihei Clark and you're like dude that has not happened since before a national championship right like that was a and that feels like a long time ago the world is literally different now right like think about how different the world was in 2018 right like that's just wild if you if you really just like let yourself think about how different things are between now and then right since you know pre covid and all, you know everything that has changed there's just it just feels like you know it's a dramatically different landscape, but no, that's a, you know, I think there are a lot of people who, a lot of EPA fans who would give Joe the Gus just like that. Um, and you know, rightfully so. I just, it's funny to me, um, you know, fans will rip up a kid, right. But let somebody else from another school or who covers another school or whatever, say something, boy. And they, you know, it's just, it's that typical, like I can say this to my brother, which you can't kind of deal yeah tribalism it's it's tribalism in athletic sports and and as much as you and i love it um it's a bunch of 18 to 22 year olds playing a game um and there's nothing a buddy of mine uh many of our listeners uh here probably have heard him say this on a different podcast uva sports is my religion uh it's the thing that when people insult um, in any way, shape, or form, uh, UVA sports. I am deeply cut in the same way that someone with a, a deep religious faith uh, might be insulted when a tenant of their religion is questioned. Right. Um, so there are certainly times in which um, I, my blind spots are, are certainly quite blind, uh, to say the least. Um, and that passion makes it fun too. But in the right. instances in, in late June, when you're 70, we'll call it 69 days from football, um, the dispassion and the distance from what we're seeing uh, across our athletic department uh, makes it a little bit easier to, to, to stomach when the loss is in, let's be honest. Um, the lacrosse loss was devastating. It was, the it was Furman terrible. loss was, was devastating. The baseball loss was devastating. And yet when I look through all three of those seasons, baseball in particular, there's some real joy in the process. That isn't the exact Tony Bennett quote, um, but it, it it almost reminds me when we won the national championship, um, Dre tosses the ball up in the air. I didn't have this incredible moment of unbridled joy. Mm. It was more of a, how much fun was that? Mm. The 38 games that we played that season, what a process. And yes, going back to UMBC, and yes, going back to Syracuse, like what a process. How cool is the ride that we have been on was where my headspace was, not just and actually not at all. I was almost shocked with how much in that very moment I wasn't just overcome with joy. It was an appreciation for the process that we had gone through, including those losses uh, mm-hmm. that you had asked about early, earlier in, in the show. Um, and that has become for me what I really enjoy about it. Now, that might be a little bit of um, self-protection, right? If I can think about the process, I can think about the season as a whole. It doesn't hurt as much um, when a errant pass gets caught and turns into a three-pointer uh, and the arena in Orlando erupts as I storm up the, the stairs to find the next flight home, um, excuse me, in Tampa. Um, it protects you a little bit when when we turn the ball over again and can't win a face-off uh, in a semifinal against a team we'd beaten twice that season. Um, if you can think about the season, you, you just, you're in the hands of comfort a little bit. Uh, so maybe that's convenient, but, um, but the joy for me is in the process of the seasons. Right. I feel like it's funny. And I, I, I remember I was in Charlotte. I, I was in the press conference, you know, the, the infamous, um, are you aware that, you know, no number one has ever lost on number 16, uh, before, uh, question I and I I I remember you know recording this audio, um and I and I thought I'm gonna keep that and I and I didn't know what I wanted to do with it, and then I remember you know sitting there courtside and you know it it was apparent you know holy shit we're really gonna do this like this is happening, and I think you're describing it just a minute ago like you know you didn't have this like you know that for me it was like I think because the last two games had been so like 
unexpected finishes in the sense of like if you tried to to write it up, somebody would have told you you were full of it, right? It wasn't necessarily that I was like waiting for some other shoe to drop in that instance. No, I just really couldn't believe that it was actually happening. Like I, what I like, it was almost like I could not believe what I was watching. And I remember, you know, the 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 vibe in the building and the fans and the you know the band and and it just it all felt incredibly surreal to me. And I know that that is very cliche, but sometimes you know cliches are true. And like from my experience was, I just remember sitting there being like, it has been kind of, you know, similar to what you like. I just kind of thought about the ride and I'll always track it back to, to Charlotte because that was the, as a fan, again, cliche, that was the, that was the moment that I just, I learned you never ever take anything for granted. And I do think that that changed, you know, that, that experience in Charlotte changed the way I look at all sports. Right. Um, no matter whether it's a team I'm actually pulling for or just a game that I'm watching. Right. Because you never really know. And, and, and I know that that, again, I know that's cliche, you know, what, but I mean, I mean that from a, like a, like a mitochondrial level, right? Like if you had asked me before the UMBC game, I, I never would have given, I would not have given any percentage chance that UVA was going to lose. Right. But I was in the building when it turned on them and I, and I felt what that felt like, that excitement that everybody else in the place is really jacked about this thing that's a historic thing that's going to happen, and I ain't one of them, right? All I could think, all I could think about was that message board is going to be in shambles, not just for hours or days, but for potentially for weeks, right? Um, and so like that that lesson stuck with me. So like, you know, the the thing starts happening. And, you know, they're going to win it. And like, I just, I I just couldn't believe it. Um, And I think that that feeling of just complete and utter, like what I would almost call like positive shock, right? Like by nature, right? When you're actually in shock, when your body's in shock, your body doesn't know what to think, but it's pretty much bad, right? Like your body is responding to stimuli that are incredibly negative, right? What I experienced was like complete positive shock um I knew it was good and it's great but I just couldn't believe it was actually happening to the team that I've grown up watching playing like just like in the backyard playing like you're in that moment you know and then idea of watching them win a championship that's the I mean I'm not saying necessarily that I want to that I expect like UVA football to win a national championship because obviously it's a very different thing but like that moment of that that positive shock of knowing that like, it was almost like relief. That's the thing that I think as a fan, I want again, right? It's that culmination of the ride. That's very well put. The the other thing I I'd like, and as a counterpoint to the points, both you and I just made is the euphoria after we beat Auburn. Yeah. Uh, I will never forget um, running up to the concourse, um, I'm such a UVA fan. This is going to sound a bit odd that I don't drink before or during UVA sports because the the addition of alcohol will just take away from the remarkable <laughs> high that is being at I don't know like February indoor men's tennis, <laughs> much less an ACC championship game uh, in Greensboro or what have you. Um, so I ran upstairs to to get a drink after the Auburn game, and you're just running into so many people that you know or who you've met in Louisville or perhaps even in uh, Columbia, South Carolina and seeing former classmates and people, you know, from work or UVA fans or what have you, I'll never forget. I finally got said drink and turned around and went back down to my seat and looked up and thought, Oh my gosh, it's the second half of another final four game. There's a game happening here. I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't see a minute of the first half. I'd never been to the final four before. Not once. I missed an entire half of the, one of the two Final Four games I've ever been to because of that euphoria uh, of, oh, my gosh, we're going to the national championship, which was very different than the euphoria post-national championship uh, and winning that game. Yeah. I'd love to recreate that, too. Um, mm-hmm. that, that euphoria was similar to when we beat Tech. 
um, shout out Bryce Perkins yeah. and running onto the field and running around in circles, uh, like a crazy person looking back up in the <laughs> stand, wondering where my wife was and she was next to me and they're already ushering us off the field. I'm like, what happened in the last hour? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is that, you know, I tried to explain to somebody, gosh, when was that? It was like, it wasn't. I wasn't, it wasn't that terrible long, but I tried to explain like for a lot of UVA fans, the, that those two moments happening in the same calendar year, which for the record is just bonkers, but not necessarily just they, you know, ending the streak and what that was like. It was like that game itself. Right. And the way it sort of felt like, Oh my gosh, this thing is actually going to happen. And then for a little while I was like, Oh man, this is just another, you know, kick in the gut, just waiting for a place to, to set down shop. Right. Um, for a lot of folks. And I mean, like, you know, I think you have to sort of be a UVA fan or at least know UVA fans well to understand this. But like, I think for a lot of folks, like those two moments are actually really close to each other. Um, even though one of them obviously is a pinnacle sort of thing. And one of them is very hyper, you know, local. Right. Um, but what I find really interesting is I was kind of thinking, you mentioned Columbia a minute ago. I don't think a lot of people realize um, mm. like what, like I mentioned before, like, you know, in Charlotte, that building turned on you, dude, that building turned too. And granted, there were a lot of tough moments for that team throughout that run. And that's why I think when you, when you start talking to me about bracket luck, I get, I, my, I get a little bit eye rolly Cause I'm like, dude, but they still had a lot of like stuff that they had to clear. And one of them was that building turned and they had to turn it back. And I, I don't, I don't think people, really understand like what it like it's one thing to like you know have a presentation you got to do and to feel stressed out about it and then be in the moment and be like all right this is really happening I'm doing a pretty good job I got to keep this up like when you're when you're in front of humans and you're performing you're doing something right you cannot like you're it's impossible for you not to be aware of what they think of it right and Ask, you know, I mean, there have been plenty of athletes, obviously, who thrive on, you know, shutting up a crowd or whatever. But man, when the building starts to turn on you and everybody's against you and I mean, you're going to do it again. Like there's no team. I mean, there is now. But at that point, right, there had been no team that had lived that, let alone had come back the next year and was on the precipice of it happening again. Talk to me about pressure, bro. Like talk, you know what I mean? Like, and like what it felt like even just to be in the room, right. To be there and sort of feel the wall start to close in. You're like, and you, you can't help it. Right. For them to wrestle that thing back the way they did. And then to go on the run, they did a lot of people overlook what happened in Columbia. Like they overlook everything it took to not just like get the thing moving in the right direction, but to to go from the direction it was moving before that, and I think as a, as a fan, like I don't know if I've ever really seen anything in sports that you know really felt quite like that. You know, um, you know I've seen. I mean, I've I've obviously watched a lot of sports in my day, and clearly, understandably, admittedly, like this one I'm closer to. But like I just don't think there's a lot in sports that really matches up with what it took from those from those guys that season to do what they did, which kind of speaks to the whole, like, you know, why we all love this stuff so much, right? If you go um, to Colonial Life Arena, I believe there are two concourses there, if I remember right, um, and you stick your ear up against the wall in the upper concourse and listen closely, you will hear an F-bomb that continues to echo around in a slight Texas accent from when we called 28 we called timeout at 28 14 i was sitting with with my friend missy as i often do with these games and stepped out to the concourse and i swear i dropped an f-bomb loud enough that a few seconds later i heard it come back around (laughs) and i am convinced it continues to echo through those hollowed halls the perpetual optimist was not feeling very optimistic in the moment all of all of this process talk all this optimism talk all this the the just kids talk was all out the window um and i was all sorts of uh infuriated the ubc loss taught us how to lose a little trite but uh, everybody's heard the story of williford's approach 
uh, at halftime after UMBC versus halftime uh, of of that was it Gardner Webb game. Yeah. Um, it, the game also turned. I think after that twenty eight fourteen, we started picking apart their zone. We get the oop to Dre. Um, I, I think that that's the order in which these things happened. Um, yeah, I think you're right. And going into the half, there was a little bit of like, okay, we've got this. And I think there was, Ty there was said, some, yeah, there we was knew some life we, in there. we've got yeah. this. Yeah. Um, whereas going into UMBC, I think that their win percentage was 50% uh, at the half. Uh, both teams' win percentage was around 50% at the half, if I remember right. And then it plummeted to like, we had a 20, 20% chance to win yeah, by the, by the under 16. Yeah, it was yeah, bad. Or whatever it is, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. I mean, I, I knew um, with the under 16. I knew, I was like, yeah, there's yeah. no, this thing's yeah. cooked. Like, there's no, I, it, basically, I put it to you like this. The under 16 was like, I started to like prepare, you know, prepare the, 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 the way, right? To, for the, for the absolute dumpster fire that was going to be uh, my message board, you know, uh, content, like, cause every, cause that's the thing. <sighs> I tried to explain this to somebody the other day too. Like when you, when you work in this business, like you can't help but sort of think ahead. Oh, well then there's this and then there's this and then there's that. Right. And, and when you're covering these things, like you got to be making plans, right? Travel plans, you know, all right, what are we going to do? You know, how, how are we going to do this? You know, whatever. And in, in like I, the under 16 is like, all right, all that stuff completely gone. Everything you thought you were going to run for like the next, whatever gone. Right. And then you're like, well, crap, like, what do you even like, how do you pick up the pieces and cover this thing both fairly and also without like, you know, extra malice because everybody in their brother is going to be grabbing a pitchfork after this thing. Right. Um, and as someone think- who, someone who's merely a fan and doesn't own a website, you start preparing for the, oh gosh. And you were so kind to sort of call me a stereotypical UVA fan earlier but the downside to being the stereotypical UVA fan or really a, a UVA fan yeah. uh, at all everybody so knows. Us, <laughs> is that your text messages, here they come. Yeah. And that's different, of course, than it being your, your profession and your source right. of, of income in a lot of ways. But gosh, knowing that you know, grandma, hey, I, I saw the UVA yeah. lost a 16 seat to your friends who have given you a hard time since you were six mm-hmm. to the people that you know, that, that, that are tech fans um, to coworkers to you name it. I, I will say, um, and I don't always, uh, when it comes to losses of, of our rivals, I don't abide by this, but I've got one, one friend who went to Michigan who's really good about the 24 hour rule, um, which is if your friend suffers a devastating loss of some sort, Give him 24 hours. Yeah, don't talk to him. Don't reach Live, out. They're fine. And I, he, he had seen me on TV after the Furman loss and chose not to send it my way uh, until the following day, which I deeply appreciated. But I, I feel like a lot of folks can can relate with that. Oh, gosh, for me personally, what I'm going to have to do as this unfolds is somehow explain my program's existence to all of these people um, who are either diehard <laughs> basketball fans or just giving me so a hard true. time. Or t- turned in that game was at ten o'clock, right? Yeah, turned it into was. CBS it was at the yeah. the thirty second of thirty two first round games to see. Oh well, maybe for the first time ever, a sixteen will be to one, and and here we are without the nuance of oh, by the way, DeAndre Hunter broke his wrist. Yeah. Well, and that was the thing too. Was it like, and I, I don't, we don't need to spend any more time on UPC. It's so funny how like the next year sort of made talking about it like. Okay, you know what I mean? Because like otherwise, you know, I mean, listen, you know, what we don't talk about we don't talk about uh, Bronco switching quarterbacks in Blacksburg all that often. <laughs> right. You know, we don't talk about Mike London and timeouts. You know what I mean? Like there are these things that, like, you know what? That happened. We'd like to not relive it. But UMBC is one of those things. It's like a it's like a it, it's like once the once the championship was won and it became part of the story, like it was it all of a sudden made it relatable. And you're like, oh. Well, yeah, we can talk about how crazy this thing was or how absurdly like horrible this thing was. It's like like I I just I, I remember coming out of that and like, yeah, it was like everybody and their brother wanted to tell. Oh, yeah. And you're like, I'd never do this to anybody. I feel like this is a very UVA thing, by the way. I, I am not one of these people. Like if your team loses, I'm not messaging you being like, hey, man. 
what happened in that fourth quarter, buddy? Like, I don't do that to people. And I think in part I don't do that to people because I hate it when they do it to me, right? Like, I am very much a golden rule kind of fan in this respect. Like, you know, if if we're talking about sports, maybe. But, like, I don't, like, I don't go out of my way to bring up your team's whatever. Now, if you're a tech fan, there's a pretty good chance I enjoyed it, but I you don't need to know that, right? I don't need to bring that to you. And like, yeah, everybody and their brother, you know, hit you up. You know, you're getting these like, and like, that's the other thing too, is like, if you have a lot of UVA paraphernalia, you're going to wear it, right? You're not going to just like, not, you're all of a sudden not a t- fan of the team just because they had this horrible loss, right? So then everybody sees you, you know, or heaven bred, you got something on your car uh, or part of your license plate or whatever. Like you're going to hear it constantly. And I think that that's one of the things about being a fan that, you know, it's interesting that you're a perpetual optimist. Um, because as a UVA fan, the teams have given you plenty of reason to question whether or not that was necessary. That was absolutely, you know, whether that was the, the, the path that you should choose in the road less traveled, you know what I mean? Um, the the irony of my, the irony of my perpetual optimism when it comes to UVA fandom is the first time I think I was truly tuned in to UVA sports was when Phil Dawson hit that, what, 51 yarder. Uh, for Texas against the wind. I was sitting in, um, in Texas as a Texas fan at the age of nine or 10, whatever year that was um, listening as Phil Dawson just puts the knife in the hearts uh, of the Wahoo faithful um, and didn't obviously know that I would eventually go to the university of Virginia and become uh, the fan and the alum that I am now. But uh, my first uh, foray into UVA sports was a devastating loss. And yet, um, my optimism uh, continues. Look, UVA's given us so much uh, across the athletic department to be so happy about um, in the last you know, that, however long. And, and not everybody goes to every lacrosse game. Um, not everybody's tuned in like I was to all six courts uh, as we beat Ohio State in the final of men's tennis. Um, but even if you just look at the three or four big sports that everybody pays attention to football, basketball, baseball. And I would throw lacrosse there at at UVA. We've been so blessed. Six Omaha trips, a national championship, countless ACC championships. Yes. And, and, and football has not been where we want it to be per se. We did make the ACC championship game. We went to the orange bowl. We beat Carolina, what, four years in a row. Um, There are things to hang our hat on there uh, as well. So I, I, yeah, you log on to Twitter after a quarterback throws the ball back to alignment, um, and you can't help but be a little, little frustrated. Uh, but when you step back for a second, you see the just the many blessings that UVA athletics has given all of our uh, all of our fans and, and alums and our student athletes. Uh, you can't help but be happy and optimistic. All right, Kyle, I'm gonna get you out of here on this one. Um, this is a very um, cliche sort of question to ask a, uh, a super fan for the record. I, I didn't say stereotypical. I, I, or if I did, I misspoke. I mean, I meant to say quintessential, um, for the, record. I'll take you to one. Um, <laughs> but you really are sort of like the example that I think a lot of people think of when they think of UVA fans. So maybe stereotypical works too. All right. Your favorite UVA memory moment what have you. And you're not allowed to say the national championship. Cause I just think that they, you know, for the sake of these types of questions, something like that is just, you know, it's a, it's a given. Right. So give me, give me your favorite moment. Cause I mean, for, from, for example, um, one of the, one of the, one of my favorite moments is the, the, the year after that Dawson kick and beating Texas in the rain. And I remember <laughs> I was, I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that my, I've actually dried out yet. I've just never been that soaking wet in my entire life. And both my mom and I, um, were, were just absolutely drenched. I mean, beyond to the bone. Right. And we had just the absolute time, you know, like when I think of that, like it's one of those indelible UVA, I'm like, I'm going to get choked up thinking about it. Like, but it's one of those UVA memories that will live with me forever. Because like it was just we just had such a great time, you know, and my mom, I mean, you know, I, I don't know how I can't remember what year that was either. So I don't know how old I was. I just but it was one of those things like nobody cared about how wet we were. Nobody we didn't have cell phones in our pockets. So nobody was worried about like protecting the precious electronics. I think we had like a 
like a Ziploc bag with like wallets and stuff in it. And then otherwise, you know, we just were there, you know? And, um, I just remember having so much fun. It didn't care. I didn't care how wet we were. We were, you know, we were just having a blast. So like, you know, there's a perfect example of like a memory that stands out for me that isn't tied to, um, obviously the biggest moment, which was the national championship. But, um, anyway, I digress. Give me, give me, if you can't give me your favorite, give me a couple of your, your favorites, at least as they've, um, come to mind as I've been vamping here to give you time to think. So I'm going to answer this with a little bit of most memorable. Um, and I think it was, so you're changing, to be clear, you're changing the, you're changing the question on me. That's what you just did. Yes, I am. Because favorite would be too obvious, right? I mean, the dog pile in Omaha, um, in a year in which we should have won it the year before and right. Randy should have beat us in 15. Like that dog bile was incredible beating Virginia tech at home. Um, Oh gosh. I, you know, I was going to answer most memorable with um, beating Georgia tech to become bowl eligible for the first time in a while. Cause there were about 150 of us left in that rain. And there was something cool about, Hey, those of us that are left in this building are really, really care. And that's particularly <laughs> memorable, but it, so that's the the non-answer to your question. The answer, I think, to your question was I lucked into some tickets um, at at Duke um, on uh, for the game in which Ty threw the the pump fake pass oh, uh, nice. against the two three and hit the three. Um, that one was pretty pretty awesome. Um, and there was some of that was the UVA community, and I'm sure other teams and other schools do this. But um, as the the game ended and the Duke fans all left, which was joyful watching them in and of itself. Um, the fans, the UVA fans, or maybe a hundred of us there, stuck around, and the players hung around for about an hour, and everybody took pictures and talked, and you sort of got to. Know, I think that was the first time I'd had a conversation with with Ty and Dre and Kyle, and oh, much nice. less some parents that were there. And there was something um, about the small community when you're on the road in a cool moment um, that really sticks with me. I've got a picture with some of my best friends um, leaning over the, the Shishetskyville sign. Oh, nice. Just ear to ear. Um, because there's something, and maybe one of the, the reasons my answer to your question about favorite is this one. Is there something about winning those games on the road and being there and feeling that small community right. banding together? Yeah. Uh, where you see uh, how UVA athletics truly shines. Yeah. So I'll go with that one. That's cool. I also have, I just, as you were, you were talking, I was thinking like, it's funny to me how like a lot of my indelible memories uh, or my favorite moments are like kind of devoid of anything significant. I mean, like, like in my section, uh, when I was a kid, we, we were huge Demetrius P.D. Allen fans. Like we loved that dude. And so his return, you know, uh, I mean that thing, I have like a, like an out of body experience, you know? Um, now granted, you know, I would learn later in life what, you know, what real, real out of body experiences at, at sporting events felt like, I mean, Carson Edwards had a flamethrower on his arm, you know? I mean, the dude is, he's literally just a guy from NBA jam. Who's on fire. It's just absurd. And somehow or another UVA just kept coming back, kept hanging in there, kept pulling ahead a little bit. And it didn't matter how many times, it, I mean, like it talk about, you know, like, I, and, and I, I think I've told this story on the podcast, you know, when Kihei, um, pass, you know, hits, hits Mominy, Mominy scores. I, I lost track of the score. I thought we were going, <laughs> going to the final four. You and, weren't the only one. And, and I, and I said to Caroline who was sitting next to me, I was like, oh, we got, we're going to, and she's like, no, it's you know, over. Oh, it's not, that's right. Like in, in that brief moment in time, I just had a complete lapse of reason. Right. And it's just funny how like I have moments like that that obviously stick out, like me losing track of the score, right? Um, or just I mean, like literally watching Carson Edwards do that uh, in that that game, I I simply could not believe it was I was actually like there, right? Um, but then I have these like other small moments, like when I was a kid and um, you know going to UVA games and like whatever, like I like we it was that one Carolina game. I'm not going to get the year right. Um, and I think I wait. I think I've told this story on the podcast before, 
but we were leaving and then we decided to come back in because Carolina, you know, we heard the roar of the, of the fans and stuff. I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things. It's like, there are so many ways that this thing sort of, um, you know, it sort of wraps you up and envelops you and then becomes part of who you are. Um, and so you, you view your, your, your experiences in life, your, your highs, your lows, your in-betweens there. It's tied in some way, shape or form to a lot of these things that happen on fields, on courts. Um, you know, it, for, you know, in Kyle's case on tennis courts and pools, you know, <laughs> cause you know, the dude is as plugged in as anybody, but, um, I don't know, man. Like I, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and talking a, a little bit about sort of your experience in terms of fandom and, um, some of the things that make you, um, you when it comes to, to the who. So I appreciate you coming on and, uh, delving into some of that with me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Brad. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm sure folks are going to miss, uh, Dave and Ferber, but if you ever want to do this again, uh, you know where to reach me. Well, I, I, I would, I would say that there's a very real chance that you will be back, uh, very soon. Not only because, um, I like, I like having conversations with people who can have conversations, but I especially like having conversations with people who can have conversations when they know what they're talking about. Um, I can't say that everybody I've ever had on this podcast does, uh, but you are certainly among them. And I, I would, I would say that you should, uh, keep the microphone, uh, warmed up cause you'll be back. But, uh, my thanks to, to you for, for coming on. Um, if you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple podcast, Spotify, overcast, um, pour one out for Stitcher, which is apparently closing up shop. Uh, at the end of August. Anyway, wherever it is that you get your shows, we should be there. And if uh, we're not, make sure you let me know because we should be. Uh, if you're not, if you're somebody who's not giving us a look at the website yet, check us out at CavsCorner.com. Lots of stuff happening right now um, on the basketball front. You know, offers going out, official visits. Sounds like Christian Bliss could be on the verge of a decision come Peach Jam. Houston caught up with him the other day. Um, Ferber and, and Dave will be back next week. And, uh, and then the week after that, when I'm out of town, we've got a little something special for you. Unfortunately, it, we got, we're not calling um, Kyle in from the you know making the Bell South call the bullpen on that one. But uh, yeah, just trust me, we got we got something fun. Uh, I want to thank My Perfect Franchise for their support of the website and of the show. You can visit myperfectfranchise.net for more information on how to find free your next venture and discover the perfect franchise for you. I want to thank all of you out there for supporting the show, and of course, I want to thank Kyle for. Giving graciously is his time on a Tuesday evening. I very much appreciate him coming on. So, for Kyle Matus, I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CastCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon. Yeah.